This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by This Is Not Church podcast and the letter F. And you. (laughs) (laughs) If you've made it this far, my name is Nat Turney, my brother John Turney, and I co-host This Is Not Church, the podcast. And this is sadly the level of discourse that you can expect to find if you tune in every Monday when we drop new episodes. But all joking aside, John and I see this as as an opportunity for us to address issues that we don't think are addressed nearly enough inside of evangelicalism. So LGBTQIA plus issues, BIPOC issues, social justice issues. We like to talk to a broad variety and range of people and really try to find places of commonality for everybody. So check out the podcast. Every Monday, our episodes drop. Wherever you stream podcasts, you can find us. Remember, this is not church. And to that, John says, peace. A bisexual hairstylist who escaped a cult, a black mystic, and a recovering evangelical. What could go wrong? This is the Messy Spirituality Podcast with Lola Robbins, Kyle Butler, and Jason Elam. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Messy Spirituality Podcast. And uh, if you had only been here for the first two attempts at that, you would know what a milestone it is that I got the name of this show correct just now. So uh, awesome. I'm Jason. Glad to have you here. And I'm thrilled to be joined by my two awesome co-hosts. Introduce yourself, guys. Hi, it's Lola, the bisexual hairstylist that often falls off her longboard because I'm not very good at longboarding. I'm super happy to be here. Uh, I'm happy that you tuned in. Welcome to the table. This is not maybe at the table podcast, but I just want to welcome you to the table to have a messy conversation. It is an awesome podcast, by the way. Yes, let's just go ahead and plug it. It's a great podcast. So check them out. But also, welcome to our table too. And let's let's get messy. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name's Kyle, and I'm a uh, recovered Christian, and um, over here now, just trying to help other people get recovered as well. So let's have some fun. And this is our very first episode as an official part of the Choircast Podcast Network. We are so excited mm-hmm. to join other awesome podcasts in. Uh, being a part of this network. It's going to be fantastic. You'll hear more about it in the weeks ahead. But we are so excited to be one of the inaugural podcasts, a part of this network. Choir, of course, has brought us some of our favorite books over the last few years. An incredible publisher. They're actually going to be publishing a book that Brandy and I are putting together right now entitled Parenting Deconstructed. Uh, navigating your spiritual evolution without leaving your family behind. And I'm looking forward to that coming out. It sounds like November 17th. And uh, obviously they publish folks like Keith uh, Giles and Matthew DiStefano, Michelle Collins, so many more that are favorites and friends of the podcast. And um, I'm just excited to be among such great company as the Heretic Happy Hour podcast, which is like the granddaddy of deconstruction podcast. And this is not church podcast, which I believe has an episode with Lola coming up pretty soon. Is that right? That is correct. It's sometime this month it'll come out. Don't ask me when. They have a ton of people lined up, I feel, all the time. So yes, but yeah, in September they, they are awesome. of 2022, it will be out. <laughs> but we're really excited to be a part of this network. And so you're going to hear... Um, some plugs for other podcasts in the network when you tune in to the Messy Spirituality Podcast now. And we're really excited. We hope you'll check those out. 
and help this network grow and thrive. So what's going on with you guys? Kyle, what's up, man? Uh, you know what? Just uh, still here, still uh, putting out some uh, content here and there, trying to inspire people to believe in themselves and see themselves as the awesome, created individuals that they are. And just trying to better myself by being better. <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about the goal of being a better humans. But Kyle, I think you put so much positivity out on social media. And friends who are listening, if you're not following Kyle on Instagram, TikTok, wherever he is, Facebook, please do. You're going to get so much positivity and light from following this guy. Um, I was watching something you put out, I think today, just a few hours ago, about all the stuff you've been through and how you're, how you're turning those negatives into positives. And it was so good and so life-giving, Kyle. Uh, what's your motivation behind that stuff? I'm not interviewing you, but I'm just curious. <laughs> you know what? Um, I've, I've always had a, a spark for humanity. I just always believe that we're really good, humanity as a whole. And I know sometimes we lose our way. I know sometimes things get a little cloudy. I know sometimes we get confused. But I just, I just love looking out and seeing a group of people. And I just imagine them as being what I envision them to be. And that's good people. So I know for myself, I, I spent a lot of time in the desert, so to speak, very confused about how to really help people in a way that I really thought I was helping people. And I realized that the best thing I can do is just try to encourage people, inspire people to see themselves as they are and to be themselves. So that that's really my motivation. I just, I love people even though I'm not very outgoing and very spontaneous in that end, but I just, I do love people and I do love to see people being happy. Well, you bring a lot of happiness into the world, man, for sure. Thank you. So thank you for all that you do. Lola, what's up? Well, my new religion is literally all of Kyle's TikToks. So I just want to <laughs> highly recommend it again. Um, literally today, I went there because I was like, hmm. I'm just in a sour mood. And so I'm just going to hop over to his TikTok and just have a nice time. So yeah, thank you, Kyle, <laughs> for your content. Um, <laughs> what's going on with me? Uh, I'm currently binging all of the This Is Not Church podcasts right now, along with Meet Me at the Table. I'm also reading a book um, by Rachel Held Evans, Rest in Power, Rest in Peace. That's not the title of the book. I'm just saying that. Yeah, because she has passed on. So um, uh, what's the book called? Book? It's a really long title. It's something about falling in love with scripture again. It's kind of like an apologetic type book regarding scripture and just talking about lots of folklore that goes into scripture and just a lot of the, the historical context and things that we do now that are very similar to the what the writers were doing when scripture... like the Bible was, was being formed. So I forgot what it's called because it's a really long title about like monsters or dragons or something, but it's really good. And I just highly recommend all of her books and she's amazing. And God, I, I really... Inspired, slaying giants, walking on it. water and loving the Bible again. That's it. Yeah, that's it. 
I don't have the book you know, in front of me. When I read Rachel Held Evans, and remind me to tell you the story all on maybe on this episode, uh, maybe on another episode, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> one day of the podcast of when I met Rachel Held Evans and was so excited uh, to tell her how awesome she was, only to find out that it was not Rachel Held Evans I was speaking to. What? <laughs> Oh no. oh no! I was about to be jealous. Brandy and I were at a youth workers conference. I'm gonna have to tell you now. Uh, Brandy and I were at a youth workers conference, and I was just convinced. I mean, Rachel Hall Evans was one of the speakers. Yeah. And I was convinced that this person sitting in front of us was <laughs> Rachel, who had just snuck into the uh, audience to watch other speakers. And so I walked up and was just gushing to her and her husband, and wasn't her. Wasn't her. <laughs> So, I yeah. feel Brandy in the background. Yeah, Brandy, I'm sure, was just completely embarrassed to even be with me that day. But she she doesn't remember it, so that's good. It's the thought that counts. I mean... That's right. Yeah. Anyway, Rachel was an incredible human being. And when I read her work, I really just wonder, where would she be now on so many of the things that she writes about? She makes me want to be a Christian again. Okay, now that's an interesting statement that we might have to camp out on for a minute. Okay. What do you mean by that? She makes me want to, like, she makes me want to be a Christian so bad. Like, the way that she approaches Christianity is with such, it's so organic and it's so inviting, the way that it was intended to be, I think. And, she just has a way of, of phrasing things. Like in, in her book, Searching for Sunday, the first chapter, I think she just talks about water constantly. And I never thought about water as being a very... Obviously, like it's important. It makes up our bodies and stuff. I get that. Um, but the way that she spoke about it and and how it connects us to spirit was really uh, transcending for me. And she just gives me a whole new perspective of what Christianity can be and how we can change the narrative. So we don't have to just accept what Christianity and what scripture is right now. And as it was used to abuse us, we, we can change the narrative. And that's okay. And that's kind of what was intended is that each of us get to spin the narrative so that I guess it, it better serves our life in our path. Not to say like manipulate it to be able to do whatever the fuck you want without consequences, but do you get what I'm saying? Kind of. Yeah, absolutely. That's the Christianity I believe in. And I I do wish that the uh, modern church that calls itself by the name of Jesus looked more like that. I think it would be easier for all of us to stay there you know, if there was a non-toxic version of organized religion, but uh, it just hasn't, that hasn't been the experience of a whole lot of people, unfortunately. But I would love it, you know, if she was still here. I said we just replace the Bible with Rachel Held Evans content. <laughs> That's what I think, but hot take of the day. All right, there it is. Um, all right, so as we're recording this, the Queen of England has passed away today. Queen Elizabeth II has died. I know it's going to be a while before most of you hear this, but um, 
since it's on my mind today, I just thought we'd talk about it for a minute. Queen Elizabeth, you know, kind of had this sweet old lady vibe. She did a uh, Paddington Bear video. She did a little introduction for a James Bond video for a sporting event. She seemed in her later years to have a playful side that was missing earlier in her life um, that really kind of endeared her to some folks. And I kind of think of her now the way I used to think of Reagan. When I'd see Reagan giving speeches and stuff when I actually lived through his presidency, he just reminded me of a sweet old grandpa man, you know? And I totally ignored the fact that so many of his policies were so destructive to so many people who were struggling with HIV, which was a new uh, disease that people didn't know very much about during his presidency, how the homeless population in America was totally ignored, how people were uh, stripped of their food stamps and other assistance during his presidency in the name of conservatism. And, And so... Now in the passing of the queen, I just wonder, was she a force for good or was she the same old colonialism that the British monarchy is known for? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, guys? Well, I'll start by saying I didn't know much about the queen. Um, I don't really run in her circles. So, um, are you kidding me? King Kyle did not know Queen Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, I was in a different Shit. circle, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, of course, I, I knew who she was because it's kind of hard to live in, in this day and age and not know of, you know, the royal, the royal family, the royal family. Um, but I, I didn't know much about her. I, I don't know much about, you know. <laughs> I guess I should be more authentic to, to what I actually said earlier. I talked to a friend of mine. I said, oh, so I'm sure you heard about the news of the queen dying. And she goes, oh, I'm so, so sad. And I said, why are you sad? You know, she lived to be 96. She lived in royalty all her life. She probably, you know, didn't see most of the struggles and issues that most people go through every day. She was pampered and sheltered and, you know, praised and saluted and respected and, you know, lived the life of a queen, a real queen. Um, and I guess from that perspective, I, I you know, I, I didn't really see it as something to be really sad about. And I don't know. I don't know what she did. I don't know you know, what she was like socially, what she, what kind of program she enacted, what, how she was with people. Um, I would hope that as a beacon of hope for other people, she was humanitarian in nature and, and did good things and tried to, I know they don't have power to enact policies and things of that nature, but they had influence and they still have, I, I believe some, some places were, they kind of still rule over, I think. So I don't know. I don't know. 96, queen and, and royalty all her life. I think that was pretty good. Yeah, I've been really surprised to see the outpouring of emotion from people in the United Kingdom and even in Canada. You know, these folks grow up with a picture of the monarch in their public schools and in all their government offices that, you know, are a much bigger presence in their lives than we Americans would probably think of, but these folks grew up with 
Queen Elizabeth as their figurehead, a steady presence in their life uh, for, you know, their entire lifetimes. And so they're in tears. They're sobbing over it and in a way that I can't really understand it as American because, you know, even when we've had an American president, uh, if they pass away from old age, I'll just use Jimmy Carter as an example because I think Jimmy Carter is an amazing individual and humanitarian now. Um, if he were to pass away, I would be sad, but I would not be sobbing uncontrollably and talking about how this is going to change my life. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Lola, what's your take on it as the whippersnapper of the group? I don't have shit to say, to be honest. I've Right now, I've been uh, reading a New York Times article on uh, Queen Elizabeth, and she's described as a woman who embodied the myth of the good monarch. Just from what I've read um, today on her and, and what I've heard in the past, I kind of get the feeling that she was just I mean, we're all selfish. Let's let's own that. But that she was just kind of a selfish person and just kind of uncaring towards a, a lot of minority groups. You know, I don't really know. I don't know her personally, obviously. <laughs> um, also, you're not uh, necessarily you in her circle either. Huh? <laughs> no, no. That's what you get for hanging out with Kyle all the time. I, yeah, you missed out. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, that's me. That's me. But um, looks like she was friends with Margaret Thatcher, so that was interesting. A uh, long-serving prime minister. Did, did Margaret Margaret Thatcher die? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I thought so. Now that that. I felt something for. Really? Because I was so proud that she was, you know, the, the prime minister as a lady. I was so proud of yeah. that. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that was so shocking about Queen Elizabeth dying today to me was it was just two days ago that she was welcoming in the new prime minister. Another lady, another woman. The United Kingdom, right? who is another lady following yeah. in Margaret Thatcher's footsteps. So... Anyway, okay, what else is going on in the world now? Lola, you um, sent us a link today about a really important story that's going to affect a whole lot more lives on this side of the pond than probably uh, Queen Elizabeth passing away. So tell us about that. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm actually just going to read part of what the, the post was. I saw this on Instagram uh, a day ago, but it says, um, slavery is on the ballot in five states this November. The 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which ended slavery when it was ratified in 1865, states neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. What I'm understanding from this is that prisons are now doing away with work detail. Jason, you phrased it perfectly earlier. What did you say? That was something to the effect of, uh, it's they're doing away with forced labor. It's right. Now, my understanding, and you know, listeners, if you know something different, please correct us on this. We'd love to continue this conversation on the Messy Conversations group on Facebook. If you have something to add, we'd love to hear it. My understanding is that they're looking at in these five states, removing language from state constitutions that is allowing forced labor of prisoners or people in jail who are being forced 
into the workforce. Now, you know, a lot of times it's just folks picking up trash on the side of the road, uh, but it goes all the way back to the chain gangs, right? That are so notorious in the South. We, that, all of that just reeks of racism. And, and in, in the state of Alabama, I believe they're also going to, as you mentioned earlier, before we hit the record button, remove some of the racist language from their state constitution, which really needs to happen. What, I think you said five states, Lola? Yes. Do you know what those states are? Besides, I know Alabama is one of them. Yes. Alabama, Louisiana, Oregon, Tennessee, Vermont, those five. Okay. Vermont and Oregon, what the hell? Why is this still a thing? I was wondering about that. <laughs> kind of out Vermont? there. Are you kidding me? Are they making them pull the maple syrup out of the trees up there? I don't understand. Vermont? No. I think Vermont. You're Jerry's country. Be better than this. Um, Oregon, same way. I mean, not that the South gets a pass, but it just, it makes sense in Tennessee and Louisiana and Alabama to be this backward. But forced labor obviously is wrong. Now, I say that as somebody who works with a lot of people coming out of incarceration in my day job and know what a lifeline it can be for them to get out of the walls of their confinement. Uh, but they need to be paid. And prisons and wardens are making money. They're getting paid, you know, let's say $5 an hour and only paying the prisoner, you know, 30 cents an hour. And so they're making bank. And some of these places, the sheriff personally benefits off of these programs. Uh, I remember when I was living in Alabama, there was a sheriff, uh, I think maybe Etowah County, Alabama, who was um, starving the prisoners because the law was written in such a way that if the sheriff didn't use all the allotted money to feed the prisoners, he got to keep it. And he bought a $700,000 beach house. That's quite correct. It's completely legal. Yeah, that's correct. You guys should go watch 60 Days In because uh, Etowah County for Alabama is featured on six, 60 Days In. And it's obviously a lot of things are kind of like uh, censored for, you know, national television. However, that show really opened my eyes to a lot of things that were happening in county jails, especially in my state. So I highly recommend 60 Days In for that. Kyle, were you going to say something? <sighs> oh no, the Prince of Positivity aside. <laughs> yeah. You know, being on this side of the aisle, so to speak, being black, you know, there's, there's a different way that I understand these things and a different way these things come to me. I hear this stuff and, and I think, you know, first, why in the hell is this stuff still on the books? Like, at what point did they not think it was wise to go back and get rid of this stuff a long time ago? When slavery ended by way of, okay, you can't have people on your plantations anymore picking cotton for you, they moved that system to the jail and the prisons. And what they would do is, of course, wrongfully convict black men to keep them working in certain sectors. As a matter of fact, the, the, the media, the news media of that day would create uh, 
real, real fake news about black men specifically to keep the hysteria and the fear against black men. So they would, they would create these stories. Three black men raped a white woman. Two black men burst into a home and killed all the white, killed a white family. And they would put these stories out there to keep that, that, to build this natural, this unnatural fear against black men so that when it was time for them to go to court and time for them to, you know, go before wasn't their peers, but of course, that's what it was back then, just a group of white men. It would be easy for them to not to see them as human beings, but much like they did with the Native Americans, these are just savages. These are just angry people that will rape your women if you leave them out here. So it was easy for them to put this stuff on the books and keep these people as prisoners and keep these people working. And the, the, the conditions then were deplorable. And yeah, things have gotten a little bit better in, in some ways, but still, it, it's, it's a system that should have never been in a place. And, and, you know, we were doing a whole lot more than just cleaning roads. We were building schools and we were, you know, building other prisons and, I mean, real forced, hardcore labor. And I'm glad to see that they're finally starting to do something with it. But like so much of this equality stuff, man, it's just such a long time coming. And why? Why? You know, the no one can answer that question, why? Why has it been such a... I mean, obviously there's some answers, you know, hatred, lack of, you know, f- uh, fear of losing power, things of that nature. But there's, there, there, there's no why behind that, that, that stupid surface stuff. There's no real why. And it's sad. And I'm, I'm, I don't know if these, these bills will pass, but I think they should because I think what's promoting this new legislation is what we talked about last week. And I think is we're rising in a higher consciousness. And although we still see some of this ugliness here, I think we're, we're progressing to a place where there will be full equality and Although some of these things might go kicking and screaming, so to speak, I do think all of this stuff, the racism, the inequality, the hatred against groups is going away. I do believe that and I'm optimistic about that. I just hate the fact that it was so long coming. Yeah, it took us way too long to get here for sure. And some of us aren't there yet, right? So. Right. We're still trying. To well, get some there. of us are still undoing a lot of misogyny and racism and like homophobia and all these things that we grew up with that were so normalized. I mean, I posted on Messy Conversations the other day saying, you know, I had to deconstruct those things and I still am. Like, I, I hate that about myself, but it's ingrained into me because I was raised to fear black men, which is irrational in every sense, but I'm still having to undo see it. There? Where, yeah, see there? And where I is... don't like, I mean, just to give, let me give an example because I think last year I was at a soccer field somewhere in public, broad daylight, like whatever. And I was leaving the field and there was a older black gentleman walking onto the field. And I immediately like sidestepped 
to be further away from him. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? He's just going out there to play soccer. He's not even looking at you. And then he literally, when he saw me do that, he he was like, hi, have a good day. And I was like, I'm a piece of shit Um, because I'm still having to undo these things. And I don't even mean to do them consciously, not to give myself an excuse or anything because definitely there's no reason for that type of behavior. But I'm still deconstructing those parts of me that you know, made me hateful when I subscribed to Christianity and that kind of conservative mindset and I guess constantly acting as a victim in certain ways. So I apologize. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're evolving, you know? I'm trying and, my best. <laughs> uh, you, you are. And I think humanity is. I love that Kyle points that out every episode. Yes. Humanity is evolving. Things are getting better. The world is getting clearer and brighter. And the light is shining uh, brighter than it ever has in our minds. And we understand things now that we didn't understand before. Lola, like you were saying, I mean... Five years before that, you may not have even realized that what you had done was wrong. No, I would have but not recognized that. in that moment, it hits you. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, it hits you and you realize that uh, you're victimizing someone else in that moment. And, and I'm sure that that has uh, set you on a different course in future encounters with people who may have terrified you in the <laughs> past, but now you look to as a brother or a friend. Yes. And so I think that's fantastic. Um, you mentioned 60 Days In. We'll put a link to that in the podcast notes. I also want to mention um, 13 uh, on Netflix. It's a powerful documentary yes, yes. about mass incarceration. <clears throat> Rethinking Incarceration is an incredible book by Dominique Gilliard. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, anything else that you guys have that uh, would be a great resource for folks to educate themselves with? This is going to sound really stupid, but the last season of Orange is the New Black, uh, (laughs) it was really, I feel like it gave a really clear description as to um, our our Hispanic, you know, brothers and sisters and, and the types of struggles that they have, especially as immigrants in our prisons. I feel like there was a lot of truth to some of the things that happened within the show. And I like that the show highlighted those things to make us a little bit more aware um, of, of those kind of um, racist things that happen, horrible things that happen to them, um, just because they're not considered legal in the U.S. I really do want to encourage folks who are listening, you know, you may hear some of this stuff and and you may be thinking law and order and that this isn't about racism, it's about crime and punishment. But the reality is our legal system is racist. It is absolutely poison against black and brown people um, and, and so many others, but it is absolutely twisted the original police forces existed to do the work that the Klan could no longer do in daylight. And so that has been woven into the fabric of American, quote unquote, justice from the beginning. And, it, and it's time that that comes to an end. There are millions of black men incarcerated, uh, you know, over the course of our lifetime 
who, if they would have been a white man with a lawyer and had a little money, <laughs> had some money in the bank, would have never gone to jail. I am shocked at so many of the stories that I hear at work from people who the things they went to jail for that I know so many of people like me, people of a lighter hue, get away with day in and day out. And, you know, if we even get pulled over for some of this stuff, we get let go with a warning and these folks get carted off to jail and their whole lives are... Uh, sent down a very negative, destructive path because that's what our system of justice was designed to do. I'm not saying that every cop is a bad cop. I don't believe that. I know there's a lot of good cops who are in it to protect people. That's great. But there is basic injustice in our legal system and it's time to confront it. So we'll put some resources in the show notes. Kyle, do you have something to add to that? No, I just wanted to, well, I'll just add that, you know, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of documentaries out there a lot of movies that that are that are starting to really kind of shed a light on this on this issue, the injustice from the bench, and 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 in so many areas of the judicial system and the the the, the system as we know as law and order or law and justice or whatever it is. And, but I'm, you know, as bad as it is, and 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 I've been on the the bad end of it as well. Not because I did anything wrong, but just because I was black and that's just the truth. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate. We know as black men, particularly, that we don't have the right to really stand up for ourselves at a traffic stop. We know this. Um, we do at times try and often it doesn't turn out as good as it does for our white counterparts. Uh, I know that firsthand. It's happened to me. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that it's a system, much like religion, it's a system, much like politics, it's a system. It's, as with everything, you follow the money and it's a, you know, trillion dollar industry. So it's, it's hard sometimes to get in and make these changes that are necessary because these are lifelines for people financially. And unfortunately, they're building you know, their lives on the backs of innocent people in a lot of cases or people that are being you know, incarcerated for just ridiculous amounts of times for some of the most smallest amounts of things. And oftentimes it, it falls on the shoulders of uh, poor people, and 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 you know, there's a there's a reason why people are poor. It's just not because people don't want to work. It's not just because people want to do crime. And when you grow up in the inner city, you grow up in an impoverished area. It's very easy to lose hope. And I'm not, I'm not making an excuse for it, but if there's no jobs in your community, if the housing in your community is poor, if the education in your in your community is poor, where are you going? What are you going to do if the, the programs aren't there? to help you if you feel like you have no other choice and no other hope, then what do you do? I ran into a gentleman one day. I was going to a supermarket real quick and the he was a black guy and um, he had he had gotten, um, he was being detained by a, a store manager who was white and the guy was saying, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And and I don't know, I just felt like, like inspired or 
like it, I just felt to ask, what did he do? And he said, yeah, you know, he, he, he stole this meat. And he, then the black man looked at me and said, I, I'm, you know, I'm just trying to feed my family. And I asked the store manager, I said, please, let me pay for it. Let him go. Let him take the meat. I'll pay for it. And the, the guy, the manager was resistant. He, he wanted to make an example of this guy. And I said, the guy said he's just trying to feed his family. He's not in there stealing electronics or, you know, trying to boost something he can sell on the street. He's, he's taking meat to feed his family. Now, obviously, should he be stealing? No, but what circumstances led him to that place? And it's often the, 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 the reason why there's, there's crime in the inner cities because circumstances lead people there. They're not bad people. They're not terrible people. They're not people just out to do no good and create harm and havoc. When you feel you have no hope, that's often where people turn. And the consequences for such is just catastrophic in a lot of cases. And it's just this repetitive cycle that just, again, needs reform, as you guys are saying. Kyle, I have a quote that I want to share that goes along with that. Um, it's from Ever After, which is the Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. Um, the main character, Danielle, she says to some prison guards, if you suffer your people to be ill-educated and their manners corrupted from infancy, and then you punish them for those crimes to which their first education disposed them, what else is to be concluded, sire, but that you first make them thieves and then you punish them. Yeah. 100% yep. agree with that quote. Um, yeah. Our justice system is the how greatly can we fuck you system in my brain, especially when it comes to black men. And it scares me every time I see a black man pulled over. And I feel like I, ha- I should stop behind them and just watch and make sure that they don't get killed. <laughs> which is absolutely horrendous. Uh, I'm not meaning to laugh. I'm covering... It's a nervous laugh. Uh, I'm I covering it. my... I, th- this is how I cope with nervousness. <laughs> yeah, I remember in light of several of the police killings, our kids were young teenagers at the time when some of those took place. Obviously, they're still taking place. It happened again this week. Um, but our kids would say, you know, hey, there's a black man and the police haven't pulled over. We should pull in behind him and get out our cell phone. Isn't that amazing? The responsibility that young people are beginning to take for those minorities that are being just flat out persecuted and, and it's unjustified. And that's amazing that, that your kids wanted to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Very amazing. Very proud. Yeah. They always do. They're my new heroes. Tell them they're my new heroes. Yeah, absolutely. But Kyle, you were talking about the the gentleman who got caught with the meat that he was just trying to feed his family. Something like that happens to um, a white guy and a, a white shop owner is probably going to let that person off, probably let him go home. Yeah. But because you look different than me or because I see you as, you know, a predator or a thief or less than, it's easier for me to think of, oh, this is somebody I need to make an example of. And it seems like we've really done that, especially in the area of marijuana. Yeah. Because so many young black men are locked up for marijuana when all the white, I mean, 
so many young people are using marijuana right now. It's not like a black phenomenon, you no, know? Of course. But the people who get locked up for it, that's the black phenomenon. And that just tells you right there that it's, that the system is, uh, you know, I want to say it's broken, but it's doing exactly what it was designed to do. Yeah. I went to high school in Virginia. It was primarily, predominantly white. I lived in Northern Virginia for my high school years, which was really a great experience, actually. But it was definitely predominantly white. And I had a lot of white friends because most people in the high school were predominantly white. And I have no problem with that. I I don't say that in a bad way. And uh, all of them smoke pot. (laughs) All of them, (laughs) you know. All of them. Uh, we go to parties or, you know, whenever I was able to sneak away to a party or something or just hearing them talk, you know, when, when I played football and ran track, they, it was it was just so common. It was so natural. And it was it was like nothing. So, but the light isn't shined on that. You know, there, there, was, there was no raids in Northern Virginia in, in those communities. The raids all happened in, in, you know, in the DC area where it was a, a lot more of, you know, African American and Hispanic people. Well, that's where the raids were in, in the, that those uh, heavy urban DC areas and, and Maryland around the Baltimore areas and stuff. That's where all the raids were happening. It wasn't happening in the suburbs where most of the smoking was happening. So it's, 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 it's insane. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it feels like, One thing that could be done right now that would be an absolute game changer is to declassify and decriminalize marijuana, pardoning anybody who's in jail or in prison for a marijuana-related crime. It would absolutely change our society as we know it. And I'm not, listen, I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I've never seen marijuana. I've never smoked marijuana. I don't really know much about marijuana, but I know it's not as addictive as alcohol. It's Amen. a plant. I know that it's not destroying as many lives as alcohol. And how ridiculous is it that we're sending people to prison for smoking a plant? Yeah, yeah. They don't when do I, it when for I started, mushrooms, but they do it for weed. Yeah, Pretty when I started odd. deconstructing, people would ask me what I thought about marijuana and and it hit me one day well it's a plant and according to the bible i've created every herb for your use and for your good so you know it's when i when i when that hit me one day i was like i can't believe i i was i was so well i know why i was so opposed to it because my religious upbringing made everything evil but at the end of the day it's a plant it's 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 a plant, and if if you believe in the creation story, if you believe God, you know the Christian version of God created everything. Then guess what? Right there in Genesis chapter one, it says these herbs and these these plants are for you. I created them, made them for you. So if there's an issue with it, let's let's trace it back to the Creator. Why are we picking with the people for? I would bet major money that JC and the homeboys probably smoked. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of documentation coming out now with the mushrooms and yes. and the psychedelic stuff and yeah yeah I mean I'm sure they had some. Do you guys want to hear a story? <laughs> I forgot that I forgot. We're just forty minutes in. 
You know, I think uh, the the conversation we plan to have has been replaced by this, which I think was exactly what needed to happen. But I definitely want to, I do not want to end an episode without. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for Auntie Lola's Bible Story. What the fuck? Yes. Okay. So today we're talking about Noah's Ark. I feel like everyone knows the story, even if you weren't raised with, you know, biblical roots. Um, Noah's Ark kind of tells the story of the big flood that happened, uh, wiping out a whole bunch of people that were apparently evil because Noah and his family were the only good people left on earth. And so God was like, let's just start over. Huge genocide, get rid of everybody with a flood. And then my good people can just repopulate the earth. And you're going to take animals with you. I just want to point out (laughs) so many inaccuracies in this. Maybe this is not even like what the fuck. Well, it kind of is because it's what the fuck with the incest portion. (laughs) Um, Because I even though you're repopulating the earth, I still don't feel it's justified to be a father to be having sex with his daughters. I can't be with that. yeah, so <laughs> it, it, obviously it, it kind of pushes the narrative that God is okay with genocide, which is scary as hell. Um, and also, it doesn't really make sense to me. The story never made sense to me because it says, you know, they put just two of every animal on the ark and then, you know, the flood happened and then they stayed in the boat together. And I mean, this was a big ass boat, granted, but we have to think (laughs) logically about this for a second. Um, You have predators and you have prey on the same boat. Even if you put them in different sectors or whatever, they have to eat. So I feel like more than two animals probably would have needed to be on the boat for this whole thing to happen. Um, really, I think the whole, the whole thing was a lie. But it's a terrifying story because of the incest and then God wiped out all the animals and the people on the earth besides one family that just happened to find grace in his eyes. It just seems seems suspicious to me. What do y'all think? Well, if we keep it Bible, then mm-hmm. which well, okay. If we if we keep it Bible, so we're gonna we're gonna say it's the, not a the, biblical story. Let's go ahead and preface that it's not that in Greek mythology and it, this is not a new story kind right. of thing. This has happened before, right? But for those that believe the Bible is the Bible and God's inspired word and God actually did this and Jesus verified it by saying, um, making a Noah reference or whatever, uh, I, I need to, to ask you if you believe the story to be literal and real and that your God did this, story, did this thing. I need you to just ask yourself one question. How did two penguins... Get all the way from the Middle East. I'm sorry, from Antarctica to the Middle East. Just if you can answer that question for me, 
how did they walk that far? Just, if you can tell me that, I will say, you know what? Your story is true. It's real. So no one's been able to answer that question for me or even come in anything close to anything real. But, you know, <laughs> you, just, you just have to think. You've you got to think about all of the perhaps thousands of scenarios that would have had to come together for this to make, make, for this to be true. And all of these scenarios, a God would have had to be directing these things to happen. Getting every two of every animal to the ark, a God would have had to make that happen. Getting the animals on the ship not to eat themselves, a God would have had to make that happen. Um, it's so many things that would have had to have happened during that story would have had to be at the hand of a God because it would have been naturally impossible. So the, the, the real question is, after you get past the penguin question, is this, why would a God have, you know, spent all of that time doing all of that other supernatural stuff when it could have just forgiven humanity with the one supernatural act? There were so many other ways to do it, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he didn't have to kill them. Also, he could have killed them in different ways. I, like disease, famine. Things of that nature. I mean, not to say that's any better, but I, I'm confused as to why the flood was the big thing. If we're it, going yeah. with that narrative that God sent yeah. a huge flood to kill and people. It, it wasn't even effective. No. Like as soon as they get off the boat, they fuck up again. Right after right after that. <laughs> right after that. Like it wasn't That's even the effective. I've always had with this story, <laughs> right? God finds the one righteous dude he can find on the earth, supposedly. Yeah. And the dude and his family get on the boat. They get off the boat. First thing he does is grow a vineyard, make wine, <laughs> get drunk, and get naked in front of his children. Exactly. <laughs> God floods the earth to start over with that guy? Right. <laughs> and God, you know, if he knows everything, shouldn't he know right. coming? That's yeah. the whole thing. Right exactly. There. This God that we believe in, that we say caused this flood, he, it started, the whole story starts with God repented that he even made man. So what happened? The, the, People turned out worse than he thought? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought he got, had all knowledge. He knew everything that would ever happen. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Here's another quick little tidbit. Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, God creates man, creates everything, says, or I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 1. By the time you get to Genesis chapter 2, all things are created, or at the end of Genesis chapter 1, sorry, everything's created. God says, it is good. It is very good. This is chapter one of Genesis. You, the, the flood is happening in Genesis chapter six. You mean to tell me <laughs> that in the span of five chapters, things got that messed up? I mean, I would understand maybe if, it was, you know, God created humanity, everything was great and really good. And then by the time you get to, you know, Revelation, everything's messed up, you know. But four chap, five chapters in between, <laughs> like what? How bad can things get in five chapters? Right. For real, and they're made in His image. This is the thing. Does God, if this was like, I don't. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put forth the situation. Okay, 
These people were egotistical, selfish, corrupt, made in God's likeness. So does God see pieces of himself that he does not like in these people and decided to wipe it away instead of becoming more (laughs) self-aware? I'm sorry. I'm just being Are you uh, therapy for God? Are we shrinking God right now? Yeah. Wow. It's just a thought. I mean, because a lot of people want to ignore the bad parts of themselves. And if you see, I'll say this. uh, When I meet people that have attributes that are like me, like the pieces of me that I don't like, sometimes I don't like that person. I'm being super vulnerable on this podcast today. (laughs) Um, Right. You can't stand them because they remind you of the parts of yourself you don't care for. Yes. So, God, question mark. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. fell away in. Anyway. And of all the stories that you're going to turn literal and build a freaking museum in Kentucky the size of a giant boat, what are... What are we thinking? What does this prove? How does, I mean, okay, great. You built a giant boat and you have some stalls in it for animals. How many Jurassic Park movies do we have to see to know that story was not going to turn out well <laughs> in real life? This should not be a children's story. Like, no. Because this was definitely no. one of the first ones introduced to me, I know. This should not be a children's story. What the actual fuck? Right. You know, yeah. I, I haven't um, thought about the narrative of Noah's Ark in a while, but I was thinking about the other day after watching a TikTok video, and something hit my mind, and it was, wouldn't Noah had to have had other relatives? Like, why aren't you grabbing your nieces and your nephew, you know, your 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 cousins and your brothers and your sisters? What about your mom and your dad or your aunts and your uncles? And what about all this other family? Like, I, I don't I don't care what my family would have said. Oh, I'm I'm not getting on that boat. Oh, you getting on the boat? You you getting on the boat? I know what's about to happen. You getting on the boat? God gave him a sticky note with names. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. So (laughs) like he what? He just like totally just didn't care about the rest of his family. I don't know how old Noah was when this happened. I know that Noah lived for a long time and I don't really know. I mean, unless he he was the only child. I guess so. And there had to be somebody else out there, you know, and and what about Mm -hmm. his wife's family? That's true. I mean, there there had to be family members out property. there. Like, think about it this way. She was his property. So, like, I don't really know how the family ties were back then when it came to your wife who was your property. I just don't know if you were spending Thanksgiving with... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I just don't know how that <laughs> dynamic would be. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Who knows? No, Very twisted Bible story. You nailed it once again. Mm. <laughs> well, this has been an incredible episode. I'm so grateful for the two of you for being a part of this conversation and all the conversations so far this season. Um, thank you, all of you who are listening. We are so grateful for every single one of you. Hey, um, there's more content to be had. 
our friend Lola has actually produced the first video on our new Patreon page. And so it is there just waiting for you to sign up to be our very first patron. Yes. So go to patreon.com slash Messy Spirituality Podcast. Uh, Lola will do more of those videos. I'll do one. Kyle's going to do some, I believe. And so there will be exclusive comment, content that is not available to anyone else except for our patrons right there on the Patreon page. Again, patreon.com slash Messy Spirituality Podcast. We'd love for you to help support this program. Also, join us on the Messy Conversations group on Facebook. Follow all of our hosts on Twitter, Instagram, all the different places. The young whippersnappers are over on TikTok. <laughs> Not me, because I don't know how to get there. But um, just connect with us. We love hearing from you. We love hearing what's on your heart. Let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about on future episodes. I, I've had a couple of folks being like, are, are y'all a political show now? No, <laughs> we're not. <laughs> we just talk about current events. And yeah. There's a lot of crap in politics in current Wherever events. Wherever right the mesh is, so, that's, that's, that's where right. we go. That's where you'll find us. Exactly. Thanks everybody for listening. Y'all have a great, great day. Thank you guys. Love you. 